What is going on? Welcome to the program. Happy Wednesday. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Pete Callender here. The phone numbers are 704-570-1110. 1-800-WBT-1110. The email is Pete at the show.com So trying to keep track of the standard, because you know me, I prefer a consistent application of standards. And I'm trying to keep track of the standard. What happens when you uh, you engage in the hot political rhetoric and you call your political opponents uh, semi-fascists and terrible names, you know, tyrants and such, and and then one of your one of your supporters goes and murders one of those people that you've been denigrating. What, what's what's the proper response? Do we do we hold you accountable for that? I'm unclear because it seems like we should, but I think it matters, right, who is saying it and and who got killed, right? That's, look, there's a story out of North Dakota. We have very few details at this time, but the initial reporting, and by the way, this is all from what I've been able to uh, find before the program. The only coverage I have seen was a Fox News story, national, and then local media reports. That's it. And there's a, I've mentioned this website before. It's a good site if you want to go take a look and see, you know, how coverage is, uh, how it's flowing and who's covering it and who's responding to it and commenting on it. There's a website called Memorandum and it's an aggregation site. From what I can tell, they do tend to lean to the left, but as an aggregator, they put together, like, here are the big stories that are moving. And I'm assuming that there's some bias in the selection of which stories uh, they prefer to highlight. I don't think it's strictly a, um, I don't think it's strictly a, a numbers thing, an algorithm thing. I think there is probably some thumbs on the scales, if not, you know, hands entirely, maybe a couple elbows as well. Uh, but Memorandum does a pretty good job of showing me where coverage is. What stories are getting it, how they're being covered. You can see the pack journalism occurring. That's what pack journalism is, right? Where somebody does a story or there's a story and then the whole pack goes to it. And they're all like, oh, there's a great story, great story. And they're all just like, you know, circling the story, nipping at its heels and stuff. And they're all doing the same story. This story about an 18-year-old guy who was killed, who was run down by apparently a friend of his mother's, or an acquaintance, I should say. I shouldn't say a friend. An acquaintance of his mother's. His mother knew who this guy was driving the car. Ran down this 18-year-old. The driver was a 41-year-old. And apparently it had to do with politics. But, But there's an element to the motive that I think has a fairly direct connection to the hot political rhetoric that we have heard from our president and a lot of his allies on the left and in the media. But I repeat myself. This idea that there are these semi-fascists, that, and, and you can believe that Donald Trump is or is not. You can believe Biden is or is not. Right? But when you start painting entire categories of people Half of the population, when you start, dare I say, dehumanizing them, right? When you start, and, and 
I'm going to get back to this. We're going to talk about uh, the local education issues as well, because there's this idea that if you don't call somebody the right pronoun, that you are dehumanizing them. And I disagree with that. It's not dehumanization. But if that's the standard, then calling people semi-fascists or or uh, MAGA Republicans or you know wh- whatever your uh, preferred pronoun is to label the uh, Donald Trump supporters, then that too is dehumanizing. And it has actually led to violence. There's a theory. I'm not sure folks on the left are aware of this. There is a, there's a theory. There's a sentiment on the right that all of the focus on, quote, right-wing extremism is meant to prompt it so as to give cover for these types of acts. I don't know if that's true. I'm not trying to, I try not to, ascribe motive to people. But if we're applying a standard, then it seems pretty obvious that a whole lot of Democrats are going to need to play the D or D game, defend or disavow. There's an 18-year-old man who was killed. He's from Grace City, North Dakota. And he was apparently attending a street dance party in uh, McHenry, North Dakota, Foster County. And they were called to a hit and run that appeared. It's being labeled as an alleyway. But I've seen the pictures of this alleyway. It, it they're dirt roads. It, it's, it seems pretty rural. I shouldn't say rural. It's, it's, it's sort of suburban. But the, the roads are gravel. You know, and the alleyway, I guess, is an alley, as in it's not a, um, you know, it's not a main paved thoroughfare. Court documents say at 2.35 Sunday morning, 2.35 a.m. Sunday morning, 41-year-old Shannon Brandt, called 911 to report that he had hit a pedestrian because the pedestrian was threatening him. Brandt told state radio, I don't know what state radio is, but it's capitalized, so I assume it's a, you know, I don't want to mispronounce some organization. He told state radio that the pedestrian was part of a Republican extremist group. Oh, there's that term, extremist. We hear that one a lot, too, from our friends on the left, don't we? That, that these Trump supporters, these Republicans are extremists. Hear that one a lot. And that Shannon Brandt, although he was in a vehicle and there was a, a street dance party, he was afraid that they were, quote, coming to get him. The pedestrian has been identified as 18-year-old Kaylor Ellingson. Brandt admitted He was also consuming alcohol before the incident, and he stated that he hit Ellingson with his car because he had a political argument with him. Court documents say just before the crash, Ellingson called his mom and asked if if she knew who Brandt was. She said yes and told her son she was on her way to pick him up. A short time later, Court documents say Ellingson called his mom again to say that he or they were chasing him. It was after the second call that Ellingson could not be reached again. See, so the mom knew the driver of the car, but she apparently in another report I saw uh, said that her son did not. 
Ellingson was pronounced dead. Brandt has been charged with criminal vehicular homicide and DUI. Court records show a judge set bail at $50,000. I'm old enough to remember there was, there was an attempted mass assassination of Republican lawmakers not too long ago. Nobody even remembers that. It's not even, right, we, we don't recognize, you know, Steve Scalise gets up there and there's not a mention as there is every time Gabby Gifford speaks. It was in a, uh, there's no mention that he had survived a, an assassination attempt on him and like a third of the Republican uh, uh, legislature. Right? However, as Anthony Abedis says on Twitter, Despite that, despite this assassination attempt, we're on year two of being collectively shamed for the January 6th riots, right? Two years, go, we're on, going on two years over the January 6th riot. People who condemned it, it doesn't matter. People who disagreed with it, doesn't matter, right? You shall feel the shame of this. Meanwhile, the people that are demanding we all feel shame for something we didn't do or disagreed with, do they have shame for engaging in the rhetoric that prompted a Bernie bro to scream, this is for health care, as he attempted to gun down lawmakers? No, not really. So what did the president have to say for himself? It was a clip I did not get to on Monday. This was a clip from his 60 Minutes interview, where he was asked about this. We'll get to that in a minute. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. So during the 60 Minutes program on Sunday, the president was asked by CBS's Scott Pelley about his hot rhetoric, if you will. The way he is categorizing, impugning half of the country when he says things, you know, like extremist, MAGA, semi-fascist Republicans, and then, you know, oh, not all Republicans, right? I'm not sure it was the 18-year-old who was just run down by apparently a political adversary who said that this kid was part of some Republican extremist group that was at a dance party. They were at a street dance party. And uh, he felt so threatened by the guy that was walking around on the dance par- at the dance party that he had to drive his car over the kid and kill him. So here is how uh, this rhetoric was addressed on 60 Minutes by the president. Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans represent an extremism that threatens the very foundations of our republic. Sir, in your Philadelphia speech recently, you warned of MAGA Republicans, those who attacked the Capitol. They look at the mob that stormed the United States Capitol on January 6th, brutally attacking law enforcement not as insurrectionists who placed a dagger at the throat of our democracy, but they look at them as patriots. But later in the speech, you conflated them with people who disagree with you on abortion. And I wonder no, if I did you... not. Yes, you did. It's my speech. It's a fundamental misreading of my speech. Well, sir, you talked about the right to choose. You talk about the right to conception. You talk about the right to marry the person you love. MAGA forces are determined to take this country backwards. Backwards to an America where there is no right to choose, no right to privacy, no right to contraception, no right to marry who you love. 
I was making a speech about the state of affairs in the Republican Party and us. I wasn't just talking about MAGA Republicans. The MAGA Republicans are the people who say, refuse to acknowledge that an election took place and there was a winner. The MAGA Republicans are those people who, in fact, say that the use of violence is a legitimate tool like what happened to the Capitol. They're the MAGA Republicans. You can't call yourself a democratic republic and support violence internally against the government and at the same time talk about not recognizing the outcome of elections is overwhelmingly agreed to be legitimate. Do you fear that speech created more division than unity in the country? No, I don't fear that at all. I think a significant portion of mainstream Republicans know it to be true and agree. And there's another common theme that Joe Biden expresses this this uh, this story that he never names anybody, but he always talks about, oh, people come up and they're like, Joey, Joey, Joey. They say, Joe, I agree with you. I agree with you, but I just can't say anything. He always says something like that. Like there are all these Republicans out there that are all telling him the same thing, but nobody can say anything about it. I'm not sure. I'm I'm not sure. I'm sure there are a few. I have no idea how many there are. It's just amazing to me that he is always getting these people coming to him saying these things. And so, like, I guess they're egging him on like, yay, go give a speech. That's not divisive at all. No, no, no. It's not divisive at all. If I'm applying a consistent standard. The president needs to be held accountable for inspiring this guy to run over an 18-year-old dance party attendee because Biden called all of these people extremists. And that's the language that the murderer, alleged murderer, used. That's what he said. They're part of an extremist group because they're Republican, because they're pro-Trump, because the president said so. All right, so the political rhetoric that the president has engaged in, and and let's be fair, like a lot of Democratic candidates have engaged in. I believe our own U.S. Senate candidate, Sherry Beasley, keeps using these terms extremists and such and and lumping pro-lifers in with that category. And I'm I'm not going to let me I'll say this way. Let me give her and Democrats the benefit of the doubt here and assume that you're not just saying it because of politics, that you're not lying about it, right? I'll give you the benefit of the doubt and assume that you really believe that because somebody wants to protect the unborn, that that makes them an extremist, even though extremism usually is indicative of uh, a fringe opinion, whereas a pro-life opinion is actually in the majority. It is. I mean, pro-choice versus pro-life. Remember, the pro-choicers dropped that that name. Right now, therefore, reproductive freedom. So they dropped the pro-choice thing. They don't, they don't like that. They don't like pro-abortion. They don't like abortion advocates or whatever. They're, they're now for reproductive rights. Most people want to ban abortions after uh, first trimester. That's the most popular position. 
So by their definition of what is and isn't extreme, then you're the extremists, right? But this is an example of the way media gives a pass to rhetoric that is uttered from the lips of Democrats. When they say things, it's just sort of assumed that, oh, well, you know, they didn't really mean it or it, it doesn't even set off any kind of bells. It doesn't make anyone nervous. Like, uh, you know, like here's another example. I mentioned this, I think, yesterday or day before. There was some Trump rally and uh, people raised their hands up in the air, which is a that's a pretty common thing in churches. I don't know if you're aware of that or not, but people will raise their hand and they like as they're worshiping. Right. And so they, and, and so that's what a bunch of these, you know, Trump fans did. And the left went nuts. They're like, oh, look at this. It's like the Nazi symbol. There, you might as well be screaming Heil Hitler there. Every, they see everything. Like, I'm at the point now where I am done. I am fed up with having the societal norms dictated to me by the most neurotic and anxiety-laden population. I really am. This is hysteria. You guys are being hysterical. You are, you are incapable of engaging in rational thought at this point. Hashtag not all. Not all of you, but, but too many. Too many people. And again, I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt by saying that you're not just saying this stuff because you're trying to get political advantage. Because I would find that to be highly cynical and kind of evil. So I'm not going to say that you're doing it for political gain. I will assume that you really do believe that it's an extremist position to believe that you shouldn't, you know, abort a baby at six months. Or as the candidates for U.S. Senate that were in here last week said, uh, until you snip the umbilical cord so you can fully deliver the baby as it's laying on the table and then murder it there and then snip the umbilical cord. And that's okay because the child did not have rights until the umbilical cord got cut. Right. That is an extremist view. That's extremist. It is a position that is not shared by the vast majority of people on the planet. On the planet. I'm not even just talking about Americans. I'm talking about as a human race. That is not a view that is shared by most people. All right, let me go over here to Alan. Hello, Alan. Welcome to the program. How are you? Hey, Pete, uh, really good line you've got going there. And, and this supports what you're saying. Do you remember back after 9-11 how we bent over backwards not to falsely accuse any Muslim of being an extremist just because of what happened on 9-11? We had to, oh, okay. We even said uh, Muslim extremists became sort of a new word. Right, and then that became verboten. I think we went to... Uh, right. jihadist and then Islamist and we were like constantly trying to feel our way around for the right word so I remember remember all of the the fallout when Bush used the word crusade in one of his exactly. speeches yeah so so even if you made a if, if someone had suspect behavior that might have tied them to a terrorist group boy you just couldn't you know the left just bent over backwards to make sure that you weren't but you're being very careful about how you said that. And so where's that now with our own groups? Anyone in a red hat is an extremist? Mm-hmm. Crazy. Right. It's not a, right, because it's not a standard that they want actually applied universally, because it's not a standard. See, th- and right. that's why I keep arguing for the consistent application of standards, knowing full well this is not the playbook. It's not actually about having a consistent standard. I say that as an appeal to the rational. 
But people who are not interested in applying a standard uh, uh, equally, they're, all they're seeking is leverage. They want a position, right? They're, it's, it's a tactically advantageous position that they adopt. And then they try to hold you to the standard in true Alinsky fashion, right? They try to hold you to a standard that they themselves do not adhere to. It's all fueled by emotions, not rational thought. Yeah. Now, I appreciate the call, Alan. Thanks. Uh, I do remember. Uh, I do remember all of that. Even now, by the way, that still occurs now. This is why I make the comment usually whenever there's a, a jihadist attack of some kind, right? Somebody with a name that sounds kind of like it may come from the area around Israel, right? <laughs> right? And they got a name uh, that sounds sort of like that. And then, oh, it turns out that they kind of got radicalized in a certain religion. And then they may have been screaming something like, Aloha snack bar as they murdered a bunch of people, right? But we may never know what motivated them. That's why I say that. That is the narrative that that we've all adopted. Oh, we can't say anything about the religion. You can't say anything about this common thread that unites these terrorist attacks. You can't, can't focus on that. And then it gets sort of memory hold, just like the guy who drove his car through the Christmas parade. That story was out of the headlines pretty quickly. Whatever happened to that guy? Why did he do that? We may never know the reason. One of the guys I follow on Twitter, his name is Oilfield Rando. Random? Rando? Anyway, I think so. Um, Oilfield Oilfield Rando. He's from North Carolina. And... Here's what he said in the wake of this uh, attack on a dancing 18-year-old Republican in North Dakota who was apparently run over in an act of political violence because the driver, who admitted this to the police when they brought him in, said that it was politically motivated and he believed that this 18-year-old kid was an extremist. He was part of an extremist group. And that is the exact language that Democrats have been using to paint half of Americans, those who voted for Trump. And they give you this sort of nebulous term of a MAGA Republican. Well, what's a MAGA Republican? I've been called a MAGA Republican, and I didn't even vote for the guy. (laughs) I didn't even vote for Trump. For the record, I did not vote for Biden or Hillary either. Okay? But I get lumped in. Anyone who doesn't toe the line gets lumped into this category, which, oh, by the way, then makes you a Nazi, a fascist, a, what's the next one now, Christian nationalist, right? That's the new flavor of the attacks. All they have are personal insults. And a perfect example of this occurred, I was watching somebody posted a video. There's a guy named, oh, what's his, what's his name? Brian Tyler Cohen or something like that. He's some progressive YouTuber. Uh, he's just, he's a water carrier for Democrat. Yeah. Brian Tyler Cohen, a progressive political host known for curating the top breaking political content online. He had Sherry Beasley on his program. It was like a 15 to 20 minute interview. And as they discuss stuff, she's like attacking Ted Budd for, uh, supporting Lindsey Graham's 15 week abortion restriction. And, she calls it a, an abortion ban and calls it extreme and all of this. And and they he never asks her. He never asks her, well, is there, you know, should there be any restrictions? Is there some sort of a gestational limit? Right? No, of course not. They just 
assume that they all agree with each other on, quote, reproductive health care rights or whatever they're billing it as nowadays. There was a press conference yesterday. Democrats held a press conference, local uh, candidates for office, talking about the national ban on abortions. There were like nine of them there. I think that was like the entirety of their event. Uh, Maybe a dozen people tops. Uh, I didn't see any media coverage of it, which is pro and con. But I would have I I sent out a message. Hey, if you're planning on covering this uh, press conference in Charlotte, I'd offer up two suggested questions. Two, two potential questions. Number one, when do rights obtain for the fetus? Number two, if the proposed 15-week limit is unacceptable, is there a preferable gestational limit? See, these are questions that clarify the topic. But the media just lets Democrats say reproductive health care rights, and that's it. The problem for Democrats here, by the way, is that you're going to get flabby. Unchallenged ideas are easy to hold. You say these things, you get no pushback from your circle of friends, from your colleagues, from members of the media. You don't get any pushback. And Republicans are done playing that game, and so they're asking you these questions now. And that's why, so far, I have yet to encounter somebody who has promoted, you know, abortion rights all the way through birth or after. I have yet to encounter somebody that can handle that question. When do rights obtain? It's a pretty simple question. But it kind of isn't. But Oilfield Rando gets to the same point here on Twitter. He gets to the same point. Unchallenged ideas are easy to hold, essentially. He says, you knew, th- you knew where things were headed when a cookie-cutter MSNBC viewer tried to take out a baseball field full of Republican lawmakers and nobody on the left stopped for even a minute to reconsider their course. Maybe you didn't want to admit it or accept it, but deep down, you knew. You knew where things were headed when Democrats and their corporate allies sent billions of dollars to an organization fomenting race riots all over the country. When our current vice president was uh, bailing the foot soldiers out of jail, you knew. You knew exactly where this was headed when someone they perceived as a political ally ran his car through that Christmas parade and they called it an accident and then never talked about it again. You knew. This is a wake-up call, folks, on the left. And I know people hate listen. And I'm saying this in good faith. This is a sentiment on the right that is growing by the day. By the day. We see you. We see the way that you engage in these double standards. I'm not saying that Republicans do not. But on this man, on this specific matter, this political rhetoric, and this is why folks on the right, by the way, don't play your game of defend or disavow with Trump anymore. They're done. More and more people on the right are done playing your game. And so when you're like, oh, Trump said this, like, I don't care. I don't care anymore because you don't care. Here's another example of it. WBTV. They did a six years later. Charlotte remembers Keith Lamont Scott death. Days of protest. You mean riots, guys. You mean riots. Yes, there were protests, fiery, but mostly peaceful, right? And then they talked to Braxton Winston, the mayor pro tem. And then they talked to another fella, Greg Jackson, the founder of Heal Charlotte. And what they never point out in this article is that the police officer who's 
who was uh, ruled justified in the shooting was black, yet they called it a racially motivated shooting at the time. 